I was looking for this book for a very long time and what a blessing it was for me. And he signed and he gave me a name. My gratitude, Acharyaji. I've been listening to you for more than a year and it was a great pleasure. Uh, it was an amazing bliss in Rishikesh. And uh, I just uh, bought a book in ISC the, f the first day and I finished reading it in three days because I thought if I find something interesting, I will ask you a question, but I was <laughs> not, uh, I, I was not able to do it. So in Vivek Chudamani, I'm coming to that. You mentioned uh, Purush as uh, heart, uh, as the one, as the truth, uh, maybe uh, infinite, okay? And prak Prakriti is the world or the body but and you also mentioned in the notes that this is not in and yang. This is not in and the yang. This is not in and the, in yang, and right, the yang. Right. So coming from a background as a qigong and a tai chi practitioner, uh, we un, uh, we believe in this in and the yang. It's a continuous flow, okay. And I just uh, realized when she said that if I consider myself as a flux, as a wave, then I am not here. That, so the rest is also, in other words, uh, in hearing your talk is mithya. If I am a lie, then everything is also an illusion. So I'm not able to, uh, just help me out. How in and uh, if I consider Purush and the Prakriti as in and that I, I should not consider that or what is in and yang? Actually the difference in terminology is between Sankhya and Vedanta. In Sankhya, Purush is a corruptible, vulnerable entity. The heart. No. In Sankhya, Purush is the vulnerable consciousness, the mind. Hmm? In Vedanta, Purush refers to the pure self, Atma. So, in Sankhya, Purush has to gain liberation from Prakriti. In Vedanta, you become the Purush when you have gained liberation. So there is a slight difference there. A lot of difference actually. Purush is a technical term in Sankhya and there they say, that uh, there is an infinitude of purushas. So there is this purush, this purush. Anything that is sentient is purush. And there is this great prakriti. And purush is always vulnerable to prakriti. Purush never realizes its true nature. It is always besotted with prakriti, corrupted by prakriti. It feels so attracted or so identified with Prakriti, that Purush is never a pure thing in itself. Hmm? So, what does Purush have to do then? Seek redemption from Prakriti. That's the Sankhyan terminology. In Vedanta, Man, the corruptible entity, is called Purush when it has gained liberation. So, that's the difference. Man. Can mind be consciousness? Mind is consciousness, yes. But consciousness again is two things. One, the ordinary consciousness which lives in duality which you can call as the impure state. And then there is the pure consciousness that you call as Atma, also sometimes referred to as Purush.
if i just follow up jesus said that i and my father is one now this father is this father is the man is saying when pure me and my source are one atma is both the destination and the origin of man father refers to atma son refers to man so if i and my father is one that means whatever my father is then i am that is just the same as aham brahmasmi huh it can be uttered only by those who have first left behind their personal self aham brahmasmi means aham is man the son brahm is father hmm atma but who is qualified to utter aham brahmasmi not everybody just as only jesus can say i and my father are one can we say that we cannot because we live in duality if you say the person here is your father you cannot be one with that person because by definition that person is in the world the world is a separate entity com- compared to your own self and you take both as real right for jesus is saying i am not bodily so my father too is not bodily and that's uh, what uh, the metaphor of uh mary being a virgin actually means huh that jesus is not a body had jesus been a body mary could not have been a virgin hmm? so jesus is not a body jesus is not a body and therefore jesus can be one with the father who is jesus then jesus is not body identified jesus is what vedant refers to as the pure self atma the self is impure when it is body identified Jesus is not identified with the body that's the reason he could uh, you know <clears throat> surrender his body or sacrifice his body for the sake of the world so what jesus is is called as atma and atma is one atma is one her atma and my atma and your atma the, uh, nothing like that exists atma is just one entity so jesus and atma the father they are one because jesus has left body identification aside so the son he talks about is the mind that is with is the mind and the gross form of the mind is the body so mind and body are to be taken as one when it comes to spirituality subtle body is mind gross mind is body there are only two entities the mind and the pure self which the buddhists should also call as no mind so you could also either call it as the pure mind complete mind or you could call it as the no mind only these two exist the mind and the pure self the little self and the big self only these two exist nothing else does and out of these two you would be wondering how come two are existing now huh we just said two cannot exist how come two are out of these two one cannot find peace unless it merges in the other one which one cannot find peace the small one so even out of these two only one is real but that one has no second to itself therefore that one cannot be even called as one it can only be then called as non dual or advait so from the multitude you converge to just two out of these two you discover one is unreal so you are left with but one cannot 
exist by itself in absence of any background so that one cannot be called as one that one is simply then called as non-dual not two not two and not even zero not not two so when we are in prayer when we are in prayer and we are in when we surrender is it we are surrendering to the purush in us or we are surrendering to the purush uh, like if i can if i just heard from you is it avidya is the purush am i praying to the purush that is coming from what i know that is avidya or it is i'm praying to my own self i'm surrendering to my own self so what what kind of uh, i mean how how should i pray if See, i want there to are, surrender there are three levels of prayers most of us are in the lowest level of prayer all the time the lowest level of prayer is called desire i want something desperately i just want something desperately that too is a prayer i have surrendered to somebody in this prayer who is that one i have surrendered to myself the ego itself <laughs> that's the lowest state of praying the ego praying to itself come on do it i want something and i am bucking myself up motivating come on get it i am praying to myself that's the lowest state simply called desire then i realize that i cannot get it based on my own powers and capabilities so what do i do i imagine a bigger power beyond myself and i start praying to it that's a medium level of prayer hmm? that again is ego praying to itself but not directly but indirectly i imagine a bigger force give it a name a form a shape a history a myth a story something and i start praying to it it appears now i am praying to somebody beyond myself but still i am just praying only to myself the ego hates accepting any thing beyond itself or bigger than itself so even when it has to bow down it will bow down in front of its own enlarged image i'm worshiping myself then there is the purest form of prayer in that there is no object to pray to you're not praying to anybody you're not surrendering to anybody you're just surrendering in one sense it is just a rebellion in negativa you have said i was already in surrender but i was surrendering to the wrong master and i now refuse to surrender to the wrong master that is true prayer that does not mean that you have found the right master any new master that you find will again be a projection of that same old false deceptive ego so you do not find a new master for yourself you just refuse to bow down to the pre-existing master and that is and uh, that is a prayer in rebellion hmm? so true prayer is always a silence there is nobody to bow down to and there is nothing to be said there is just a determination against the old ways and old temptations the old temptations ask you to find some master in the gross or subtle world in the gross world how do we find master some influential person we start praying in some way we surrender in the subtle world how do we surrender somebody gave us an ideology and we surrender to that ideology or we surrender to our imaginations of the future they are our own imaginations but we surrender to them and we work for them don't we we say we are working for the blueprint that we have in mind 
I want to be at place X. Today I'm at place Y. I want to be at place X. Five years from today. So I've surrendered to my vision, to my imagination. I'm working towards it. That too is nothing but surrender to the ego. A subtle surrender, right? There's nobody beyond yourself you are still talking of or surrendering to. You're, you're still just looking at yourself. In true prayer, you realize the futility of all the previous surrenders. You realize that it's, it's like the dog chasing its tail and hoping that it will gain deliverance. First of all, you cannot get the tail in your mouth. Secondly, even if you do manage to catch your tail, it gets you nowhere. Most of our prayers go unanswered precisely for this reason. We are praying to the mirror. How can the mirror answer your prayers? So that's why I now get that why Jesus said, be still, be still and know. Be still and know. <laughs> Thank you. Be still and know. Thank huh? you for your that stillness is a synonym for silence. For silence. That stillness is also a synonym for purusha, pure purusha. Tell me why. Because prakriti is always in motion. Still means achal, that which does not move in. And prakriti, the world, is always chalayaman, in motion. So being still means being out of the current of time. Because time is always moving. Time is this world. This is always moving. So still is not just a small five-letter word. It basically means you have opted out of the temptations of the river of time. The river of time has so many temptations, no? The past was great, the future will be better. I have opted out of it. And now I am still. Thank you for your grace. And again, uh, I mean, because <laughs> be still and know. And stillness and knowing are the same thing. In movement, there is only illusion. So it's not as if be still and know and there are five other ways to know. No. There is only one way to know and that is the way of stillness. The way of stillness is the way of opting out. In India we have, that's the reason why visualized renunciation. Renunciation is the same as opting out. That which is not useful to me, why should I stick to it? That's discretion, that's also renunciation. We do not intend to make it pedantic or or whatever scholarly. Yeah? We are here to have a small informal kind of warm discussion. Yeah? So I know I have a tendency to that's my ego. Hmm? <laughs> I I kind of run away. So I request you to pull me back all the time. Hmm? Would you please? We have to deal with this world and this life, right? We said we are sitting on this sofa and these chairs. So we cannot talk of some other reality all the time. This is what we live, eat, breathe and sip. So we, we have to concern ourselves with the affairs of this life. 